This is your co-host, Dr. Jerry Jaffe. And before we get to today's episode, I just wanted to introduce it to you because legendary comic book author Mark Wade was giving a speech at the college where I teach, and I bumped into him in the hallway, and right on the spot he agreed to do an interview. It was just a semi-spontaneous, like, hey, let's go sit in a classroom and talk for a few minutes. And today's episode is that interview. Unfortunately, my partner and sidekick in nerd crime, Dan Brown, was not with me for that interview. So... We wanted to make sure that Dan Brown got a cameo in his own podcast. Say hi, Dan Brown. Hi, Dan Brown. So sorry you missed out on it because Mark Wade was really friendly and really cool. Uh, I am. Uh, I'm pretty upset I missed out on it, but I can't blame you for taking advantage of the situation. So I'm excited to listen to it too. He said a couple of things about Superman that I never thought of. I literally got goosebumps once, which is great for radio. Oh, good, because people can see your goosebumps. He told me about the um, most expensive movie ticket he ever bought. Okay. Which I'm not going to explain that. I'll let him explain it if you listen to right. The I'd rather listen to him explain it. Exactly. <laughs> uh, just before we get to the interview, if you're wondering where you can see the Action Comedy Nerd Show live, Dan Brown, when's our next live appearance? Our next live appearance is going to be at the Northeast Geek Expo in downtown Ashtabula on November 4th. It's okay. going to be a great time. We were there last year, yep. and we're happy to be back again this year. Very friendly, great group, lots of cosplayers. We saw a lot of professional cosplayers roaming around too. Yes, we did. And then uh, we just booked another show in the spring. Dan Brown, tell us about that show. Uh, I uh, I got to be honest with you, Jerry. I'm I'm going to try pronouncing it the best I can here. It's it called a... Go Check It to Con in yeah. Ashland, Ohio. It's going to be at the Holiday Inn on May 4th. Gojo TechiCon is how Gojo you say Techie it. Gojo TechiCon. I'm sorry. So we'll be at Gojo TechiCon in May 4th, 2018. May 4th to the 6th. Yes. We haven't gotten our exact yeah. date yet, but we are a part of that. So more details to follow. And now. My interview with Mark Wade. Worlds are colliding. The Big Bang. Reboot the universe. Come on. It's the Action Comedy Nerd Show. Comedy Nerd Show. When you hear that music, you know it's time for the Action Comedy Nerd Show. I'm your co-host, Dr. Jerry Jaffe, and my partner, Dan Brown, couldn't be here today because I was just walking in the hallway at Lake Erie College in fall of 2017, and who was I the luckiest person in the world to bump into? A comic book artist, writer, 35 years of experience, written over 3,000 comics, uh, including The Flash and Kingdom Come and Superman's Birthright, and so many more. Mark Wade. Good afternoon. Well, thank you so much, Mark, for agreeing to sit down for a few minutes. Absolutely. And talk to me about comic books and anything else you want to talk about. Sure. Let's get started with, I want to know a little bit more about you. We've mm -hmm. just met. Sure. Uh, where are you from? I'm from Alabama. Okay. Grew up in the Deep South, and okay. we're the land of snake handlers and sure. tent revivals <laughs> and stuff. I, you know, and this is... That's that's all true. Right. That's all part of my my heritage. <laughs> uh, but I found comics. I was born in '62. Okay. So I found comics through my dad in early 1966. 
It was okay. a precocious kid, so I was sort of reading a little bit back then. And he brought home the, my first comic, my first Batman comic. Okay. And that just that was it. That was for the rest of my life. I even I never went through that phase in college where you f- discover girls and cars. Sure. And so you forget comic. <laughs> I mean, I I did eventually discover girls, but I didn't. I never abandoned <laughs> sure. comics. So it's all my life. Yeah. So I say it's a little similar. I'm just a little younger. I was born in '68. Yeah. And my father was a big comic book enthusiast. So most of my comic book reading was his comics from the 60s. Oh, that's cool. I, I, I didn't have a lot of money, so I didn't collect a lot, my, or buy, you just buy a lot myself. Right. I was rereading his old comics. That's cool. What was your favorite? What were you... My favorite is Spider-Man. Yeah. And then I will say Batman and Superman are like on the list. But you were reading back then, you were reading like, so you were reading Ditko stuff. Yes. You were reading like a, that, the prime yes. Spider-Man. Yes. That's awesome. That's, yes. a, that's a great way to get in. Do you think being from Alabama, I mean, it must somehow affect your work to this day. Any a, a little. There's one of the peripheral ways it affects my work is that uh, the distribution of Marvel comics was almost non-existent when I was a kid. Okay, so it was all DCs. I'd pick up an sure. occasional Marvel. I'd pick up. So because I read all DCs, I still have an, a great a great affinity for those characters, sure. and that I still sort of think in that style when I write, regardless right. of what company I'm writing for. So there's that. I mean, that was that's that's the only real impact it has on my on my writing now. I think. At some point, I read. I mean, I've read uh, like a, the trades where you have little intros and commentary added, and so yeah. I don't know where I picked this up. Yeah. So I'm going to paraphrase, and you correct me. Hit me. You said something to the effect of, "You're like a fan who has the luckiest job in the world." Yep. Yep. So how, how would you expand on I that? I would expand on that is that I get to do for a living something that I would have done for free when I was a kid. You know, it's the, it's the, it's the luckiest. That's the perfect job to have is the thing that you would have done for free for, when you were yes. a kid. And so that's the, that's the beauty of it. It's I, I don't have to sell insurance for – not that there's anything wrong yes. with this, but right. I don't have to sell insurance for a living. I'm not right. selling, you know, tires. I'm not at Quiznos or whatever. I'm, right. I, ha- I get to do what I want to do. You did mention because of distribution and just where you were raised yeah. that DC was the main thing around you. Well, yeah. At that time, yeah. who was your favorite or Batman, your favorite? Batman at that time was my favorite because sure. I came in. That's again the TV show was it sure. for me. And then it was you know I, I sort of I like the the Julie Schwartz books. I like Flash. I like Green Lantern. Sure. I like the sort of the science oriented ones, Justice League. And I like Superman right. reasonably well. I mean I like I like Superman as as well as I liked anything else. There sure. was, but then I you know I also like you know. Stand-up comedy, and I liked you know sure. stage magic, and I liked you know ten, whatever table tennis. I don't, I liked a bunch of right. different things, but that I think Batman at that time was it for me. But right, that, but that changed later. But we'll get to that. Well, if you like uh, stand-up comedy, be sure to catch the Action Comedy Nerd Show at a comic con or convention near you. Sometime. I couldn't. I couldn't have set it up for you better. Right. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So you say that came later. So you were working for. Like trade magazines. Yeah, trade magazines. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, and then you wrote a couple Superman stories. Yeah. So I, I'm trying to imagine this. Like if I was a young comic book fan now, right, listening to this, how do you go from the fan to the work? It is it is way different now than okay. it was then. I mean, part of it was back then there weren't that many people interested in working in comics. So okay, it was a much smaller field that you're that you were you know competing with. Today, and I I love the fact that my answer in this has changed in the last five years from what I've been saying for the last thirty years, okay. which is that. Today, how you get into comics is do your own web comics. Find if you're a writer, okay. find an artist. If you're an artist, find a writer or do it yourself. But do a reg, do a, do your own stuff. Put it on the web. Do it on a regular basis. And 
we will find it. Like editors now, that's where they're looking oh, okay. for new material is looking on at web comics, okay. looking stuff on the, on the web because not only do you get to see a lot of, you know, a real right. sense of that person's work, but if they see that you put it up every week or every two weeks or whatever, if you, they see that you're keeping a schedule and you've done it for a while, that's also in your in your benefit because editors are also looking for people, not just talented people, right. but people they know who they can will deliver on deadlines. Sure. So if you if you're conscientious about it on your site, that speaks well of you. Sure. I certainly can't tell you though. You could easily believe the number of comedians who will start a project mm -hmm. like a website or a podcast yeah. and then like do three episodes and then off and then, to go. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So actually, consistently producing material. How many? How many? How many podcasts are you? Do you have in your pocket here? Well, I produce three different podcasts, okay. and the one I've been producing the longest is called Gold Star Classroom, okay. which is trivia comedy, and I have about 56 episodes. Wow, okay, good. So you're dedicated. Yes. Okay. And then I've moved into two new podcasts. Mm -hmm. and All right, it, enough about you. I agree. So not enough about I'm you. I'm going to edit most of that out anyway. <laughs> uh, but thank you for asking. My pleasure. Absolutely. My thought of Mark Wade mm -hmm. is Superman Birthright. Yep, thank you. So Best thing I ever wrote. Okay. My well, favorite thing I ever wrote. Why do you think so? Let me tell you a story. So, well, I grew up in, we moved out of Alabama. We still grew up in the South. And, you know, I came mm -hmm. from a broken home. A lot of people came okay. from a broken sure. home. And it's nobody's a bad guy in that scenario. Mm -hmm. It's just that it wasn't stable. Um, mm -hmm. There were other issues growing up that I don't want to go into, but it was, it was kind of dark. And I was also bumped up a couple of years in school. So I was the runt. Was sure. It. And so I really didn't have any friends. And I was really, I really reached a point where I really felt like nobody cared about me, like nobody okay. really dark, dark okay. place as a, sure. as a teenager and was really in a bad place. And on January 26, 1979, I walked into a movie theater. Okay. And I saw Superman as Christopher sure. Superman. And I sat through that movie twice. And I came into that movie knowing that whatever I did with the rest of my life, it was going to have something to do with Superman. Really? And it took me a while to figure out the connection. It took me right. years to figure out the connection. But what it was was, and I went into that movie theater again, nobody cares. Nobody right. cares about me. Superman cares about everybody. Superman cares about everybody. It doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor right. or whether you, what your gender is or what your race right. is. He cares about everybody. Okay. And so that meant something to me as a kid because even though he was a fictional character, sure. there was there was something I could hang on to, right? There was, sure. And so at that point, I bonded with Superman. Okay. And that's and ever since then, that's been my life. That's I am now the world's foremost expert <laughs> on Superman. That's just true. As the world's foremost expert on Superman, yep. you did Birthright, yep. early 2000s. Yep. And it was a, a project to, I don't know if update's the right word, but fashion a origin story. That made sense in the 21st century. Yeah. So you have decades worth of iterations of Superman, yep. and of which you are the world's foremost expert. Right. But how? What's it like, like farming through that? I mean, there's so much from the past, right. That you've got to like pick and choose yeah. and refine and update, and then also try to bring your own and, voice and to and bring it. your own voice okay. to it. So I mean, it was it really. Luckily, again, I'd read all that stuff, okay. so I you know I didn't have to do a whole lot of deep dive research. And, of course, I'd obviously been thinking about Superman since I was a kid. A lot of it was not not necessarily – some of it was pulling in older material, pulling right. in um, things that I loved about Superman growing up that had sort of gone by the wayside. The most important one, and this was, again, I think before, Small, before Smallville or right around the time of Smallville, but we were on okay. the same beam, the idea that – I always liked the idea that Lex Luthor and Clark Kent, when they were kids, were friends. 
Okay. I love that because there is something to this idea of, in my, in my mind, Superman, Superboy, whatever, is, is right. the loneliest creature on the planet. Right. Because he's not like anybody else. Because And he's not mopey about it, but still, he's very... That's why Clark Kent exists. Clark Kent gives him a place to go be with people and right. that don't look at him like he's a god, that aren't afraid of him. But he's able to hang out with ordinary people right. because we all need human connection. And Lex being the super genius, like emotionally unstable super genius that he was, I like the idea of them being friends in Smallville, which was a sort of a 1960s, 1970s conceit. Right. And, and them bonding because for the first time, Clark found someone who could understand the way he thought. And, you know, right. you know if, you're, if you're Superman, you have... You know, you, you you have powers above and beyond. You can see, you can see colors right. that no one else can see. And why would you even bother to give them a name because nobody else can see them? Right. And that's your world, and now you've bonded with somebody who is super hella smart. Yes. You know, and and would like to have that same kind of conversation with you. So finally, you found a, a soulmate. That was a big part of Birthright. Like that was that was the core right. that, that of it to me. And the rest of it was just having to ask myself. In a post nine eleven world, especially, sure. what what does that world look like? What do we? What are our concerns now that are different? When Superman was first created, I think one of the things that was important in his success is that he was an immigrant, right. and not only was an immigrant, but he was an immigrant at a time when most sure. of the readers and most you know were either immigrants or, immig- or children of immigrants themselves. Yes. And that's you know so two thousand three not so much anymore. Right. Other little things is that 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 you kind of have to look at through a twenty first century lens. One of the big ones was that we have to, we kind of have to define what a hero is. Sure. That being painfully aware as I kind of got right. to be that that to me you know and and right. to you I mean our con- our conception of a hero is is a little different. Right. Because. The, the real heroes that, that we grew up with, uh, the Kennedys, you know, Gandhi and so forth, that the, the we were a little closer to and, and right. you know, we were kids, to today's audience, first off, they're no more real than Abraham Lincoln. Sure. And secondly, the reward for being a hero right. for all of them is a bullet to the head. Right. So what? why do you want to be here? What is there? What purpose is there in being a hero? Why would you want to do this? In the... Um trade of the flash yeah in your intro you mentioned that though you appreciate when some comics or graphic novels go dark that wasn't the type of story that you were drawn to no crafting yourself no i mentioned that in birthright i thought there was like that balance like there was darkness in it heaviness gravitas difficulties difficult real challenges yeah but not like dark night level gritty but it it can't be right because Superman exists only in an optimistic world. That's the only right. way in which that's the only <laughs> way in which he functions as a character. Because what Superman does is Superman doesn't doesn't create good. Superman fixes things. Right. Superman makes things better. Superman takes things that are broken yep. and fixes them. And that presumes that the moral center of the universe is good. That sure. the core value of the of the universe is good. If you take the opposite view, that the moral center right. of the world is is not good then the function of a super being who can do anything and wants to help and do good is to force good into this universe and force his power onto things. And that's not Superman. Also, it's optimistic because 
things can be fixed. Yes. Like no matter how dark right. something seems, things can be fixed. There's, exactly. There's hope for fixing it. Also, <laughs> he does the impossible. That's right. what he does. Sure. He was created by two teenage kids to do to any. You know, the first time we ever see him, he's lifting a car over his head. Yes. And the first time we see him, he's doing something impossible. Right. He's built to do the impossible. Right. So if you were trying to drag him down to our level. If you were trying to have him be dark and brooding mm -hmm. and wonder whether you should kill people or right. whatever, that's crap. That's right. not, he's not built for that. Right. You can do those kind of stories if you want, and maybe they'll work and maybe they won't. Right. But they're not, the character's not built to do that. Sure. In, in the killing joke, whether you think Batman kills the Joker or not, which I but, do, but yeah. Which I do as well, okay. by the way. Yeah. Uh, so that's going to my dissertation. Yeah. But it's conceivable that he could. Yes. But. Superman can't reach a point where he decides no. there's no other way to fix this. No, which is again why the last ten minutes of Man of Steel don't exist for me. <laughs> yes, <laughs> um, yeah, you don't get that. Well, I also thought with just Man of Steel can be a reference point, but it's a generalization right. with all of Superman's uh, superpowers. Right, solving problems is a is mental acuity. Yeah, and so in that movie, it's just a brawl. Yeah, right. As opposed to like in the second Superman movie, he right. outsmarts them. He outsmarts them. That's what the, yes. It's, <laughs> this is what nerds like. Yes. <laughs> nerds like intellect and yeah. science and emotion over brute strength and, and totalitarianism. That's what, that's what we, we like. Now, in, in Birthright, it seems like Lex Luthor outsmarts Superman. To some degree. I, also, you make the point that the good guys win in the end, but in a way, Clark Kent Yes. Is the hero yes, he that did. brings down Lex Luthor. Yep. In cataloging Superman right. as, as they say, a OP character. Yeah. I always thought like he's a he's a genius, but like if you say, can he race the flash? Like how right. fast is he? Right. How smart is he? <laughs> we I think when it comes to matters of science, when it comes to matters of, of book learning, if you sure. will, the, I think he's brilliant. I think he's absolutely okay. he's got he's think he's smarter than most everybody else on the planet, but the blind side and the blind spot is is the street learning is the right. I like I always contended that and they've done this a couple of times and and sometimes it works and sometimes sometimes it doesn't but I always thought it like a Superman versus Joker story is interesting sure. to me because Batman understands the Joker Batman okay. understands criminal Batman understands what their thought process is Superman is incapable of understanding that why would you be that way right. it's not naive right he knows there's something there he doesn't know but there's no way he can emotionally right. access and sort of see through a criminal's eyes he just can't do that which in birthright as lex luther's manipulating the public against him right he doesn't seem to understand why that's happening he has no idea why this right. is happening yes. exactly this is not why would you do this again he's very very sophisticated he's very you know he's very smart but there's that part of him that just really believes that there's a right and the wrong in the universe, and there's it's not hard to figure out which is which. Now, in the last act of Birthright, when Lex Luthor stages his a faux yeah. alien invasion, yeah. the first thing is a giant spider over Metropolis. Yeah, that's just, that was that was Lanial. That was the artist. God bless him. He, it okay. was his joke about <laughs> okay. the fact that it was at one point or another there was going to be this horrible, horrible yes. Superman movie in the or, you know in the late okay. 90s and stuff and, and at some point right. as Kevin Smith has talked about there was yes. the the producer wanted a giant spider uh, in it. right and so I wasn't really paying attention and Lanial drew a giant spider and I'm like oh well that's good but I know I'm going to be asked about this for the rest of my life so <laughs> well yeah. I'm glad I could fulfill that yeah, thank for you, you. My pleasure. <laughs> let me ask you just two more like specific questions sure. about birthright I'm going to ask you about the ending okay but I also want to ask you about the reinvention of the S mark yes that that's so cool. Of high course. five! We did a high five there because it showed up in the it showed up in the movie. Yes, 
The Excellent. S stands for hope. That's what yes. it stands like for. It doesn't mean S on his right. planet. It's not a letter. The alphabet means hope. And that's from your yep. contribution to the mythos. That, so, that may be the only big contribution <laughs> I ever get to make to the Superman mythos, but that was a pretty good one. Okay. I mean, we talked. you talked about him representing hope and yep. that there's always a way out and that someone cares about you. Turned into an epiphany about the S. Well, here's the other thing about it. And I learned this recently. I was doing research, and I have a doctor friend who pointed me toward a woman, a woman at uh, University of Pennsylvania, who's been doing research on the brain. Right. Research on how exactly your body shuts down as it dies, okay. like what goes first, what goes, right. what la- what lingers. Right. The last thing in your in your body that goes before you die is right. a, is a certain section of the brain. Right. And that is the section of the brain that contains hope. Really? Hope is the essence of life. Hope okay. is it. And so that's that, that Superman can spread that message makes perfect okay. sense to me. In terms of a creative epiphany, yeah. is there a, a eureka moment? Or is it just yeah. something that evolved while you were working on Superman over the years? Or A lot of it was my head. I mean, a lot right. of it was just, I, you know, I've, I've been carrying this stuff around for that point for 25 sure. years. What do we do to get it swinging? Not really. The, the, I think the S is the S for hope. That was the big one. That sure. was the one that I was never. And the other thing that's in birthright that nobody ever picks up on is that he knows about Krypton because they put a little tablet into his yes. into his rocket ship, um, and he see and all he can see is pictures. He right. doesn't know words. It's a comic book. Right. It's a comic book. It's a Kryptonian <laughs> comic book that he learns his stuff from. No one ever. Nope. No one's ever picked up on that. No, nor have I. Well, there you go. Well, thank you. So you mentioned the ending. It's a great ending, but what what do you think of the ending? You know, it was it was the first thing I came up with. Okay. That was the first thing, and then the rest of the story fell. Okay. You want to do a spoiler warning real quick? Okay. Spoiler warning. If you haven't if you haven't read Birthright, skip over this part. The idea that Jor El and Laura put this kid in a rocket ship mm-hmm. and sent him into space right. as a last ditch effort and and not knowing where he was going to land and not knowing if he was going to even survive. Yes. The idea that just before he dies, Jor-El and Laura get a look in the fu- a glimpse right. in the future, and they find that not only did he survive, right. but he becomes the greatest hero of the universe. Right. What a great reward yes. for these for these these for this couple, this, this mother right. and father, as they pass away. Is that the last thing they know is that. Well, see, I can't think of an iteration, and you are no, much yeah. deeper than I do, but I can't think of an iteration where that uh, Krypton prologue mm-hmm was so deftly moving. It, like it captured what was going on yeah. and was moving, but also not like the other extreme. It wasn't like melodramatically well, yeah. noisy. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And then yeah. when you're reading it as an innocent person just right, reading yeah. it, so that's a nice start. It's fresh and you're yeah. involved in characters. You. And you don't know that this ending is coming. Right. And the ending Lesser or different writer could have been too far to the left or right, but it was like right on spot for capturing that you know, moment. We could spend all day listing the things that I do wrong or the things, that I, <laughs> the things that I don't do well in comics, the right. things that are not in my wheelhouse. But emotion, right? That one, I I, I think I got yes. that one nailed. Yes. I think that if I if I have a if I have a bailiwick, if I have a wheelhouse, it's that. Right. And so that and that's the most important thing in writing right. a story to me. So yeah. And and the two of them coming together into an emotional moment. Yep. So beginning was not just a prologue anymore. Exactly. It was a, it was whole a circle, a big circle. Yep. Delicious donut exactly. of circularness. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of uh, Superman and Flash racing. Yes. Um, a, I want to say that I also enjoy your, I don't know, revitalization of the Flash. Thank you. I mean, you're the expert, so I'm just telling you my appreciation. No, please. That it's on point. That to me, the Flash I was raised on yeah. was almost 
a gimmick. Yeah. Like they, they would invent a weird problem. Right. And then invent a weird solution. Yes. Not only would it be a super speed, but there'd be like spin-offs, like I can vibrate, so that's how I'm going to do it, or I can... Yeah. So whereas this iteration has just more character, more character to involved. It. Yeah. Yes. The, the thing is, I mean, you can do... Su- I, can, mm. I can do superpower stunts all day long. Right. But, but people don't remember that. So what they remember is character stuff. That's yes. what they always remember. That's what carries a right. story. Otherwise, it, like you said, it's just, a, it's just yeah. a, like a big, interesting and, jigsaw puzzle. And those stories are something deft about the handling of... Like, there's a couple of panels where he fights four or five bad guys in one panel. It's yeah. just like a swirl. You don't even see the fight. Yeah. Like, that's his world. Like, it's his world. That's, he just he, do, that's how he does it. Yeah. He would exactly. Yes. It's, it, it, to stand in line at the ATM behind somebody is just right. it, it kills him. It kills him. He moves right. at super speed all the time. To slow right. down like us just right. makes him makes him nuts. Which seems at odds with say like a Batman or a Spider Man, right. where like every punch is part of like a fight choreography. Right. Yes. Right. For this, that's that's falling off a log for him. Okay. Yeah. All right. So off the top of my head, I think it was the second time. Superman and Flash raced, right. which I think was to the edge of the galaxy. No, that yeah, that, that just, was the second time. That was the second time. Second yes. time. I that I no, that was the third time. The second one was the edge of the solar system. No, the, so fir- the first one was Superman one ninety nine. Okay, which was the race around um, the Earth. Yes. Second one was in World's Finest one ninety eight one ninety nine. That was that was the one where they went to the. No, second one was Flash one seventy five. Okay, I can't. I'm I, look. Jeez, I'm, <laughs> I'm getting old. Flash was one seventy five. The next one, which was their second race. Right. Uh, How far did they race in that one, if you recall? I'm trying. Again, they may have been. That may have just been an around the world race. Okay. And then the third one was the edge to the edge of the galaxy. And the edge, edge of the galaxy one ends with them having like a gentleman's agreement to tie because it befuddles yeah. these interstellar. Guys. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So that's the one I read. Yeah. And I mentioned that in relation to this question. Yeah. It's a fan thing, but how fast is Superman? Because the Flash, in different iterations, and also in even different justifications, his speed changes. Right. But Superman's speed should have no reason to change. I know, but here's the thing, and (laughs) this is where I will always give the race to Flash. I will always, if for no other reason than because that's all he has. (laughs) Superman can be a bunch of different things. If if Flash isn't the fastest man alive, then what is he? So I give it to him. I'm sure some online wit said something like, Superman's speed is slightly slower than Flash's Uh, at any given time. If it were up to me, that was what what it would be. Oh, all right. Um, Let me ask you this. As I love how you keep looking down at that like there's, there's notes no, on it, but there's no he's got a, he has a big blank <laughs> piece of white paper in front of him. So Right. The yeah. crazy thing is I've been thinking for a week about yeah. questions and They're there's like a there. paper in my head. That's good. And I I'm, look down at this blank page yeah. and visualize yeah. okay, got the you. next question. <laughs> all right, hit me. What else you got? Okay. With all the uh movies right. and these cinematic universes, right. and that brings these worlds into a much broader pop culture context. Right. And with your expertise, not this is not like a good or bad question. Or right. I just want to know what do you think is the difference between DC universe and Marvel universes? Like, what well, their yeah. operating procedures? What's different? One is incredibly dark and, and cynical, okay. and, and the other one is Marvel. The other okay. one is the other one is is, is understands right. that we that we go to these characters and we enjoy these characters because we want to see them. We want to like be them, like see through sure. their eyes, and we don't want to go to the movie theater and be miserable for two hours. Okay. Uh, it's, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with angst. There's nothing wrong right. with, with drama. There's nothing wrong. But at the end of the day, 
it needs to be mm. an uplifting experience. Sure. That's why Wonder Woman kicked ass. Yes. And Wonder it. Woman was the, they, they, that one they finally got, they hit it out of the park. Right. Because that was upbeat. It was, it had dark moments, obviously. Sure. But, and you can have that. But at the end of the day, mm. it was hopeful. It was optimistic. Some um, um, sci-fi pundit made this suggestion that the Marvel Universe, of course, it's all a fantasy world. Of course. But is has more preoccupation with science. Yes. And DC Universe has more preoccupation with Fantasy mythology. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. Although you got Thor. I mean, the thing is, it's yes, hard the, to say that when you got, you got Thor. Thor over there. Yeah. And, uh, and Flash is the result of a science right. experiment gone wrong, right. loosely a la Spider-Man or yeah, something. Yeah. But yeah, but as a generalization... Since you've worked in both worlds, is that something you consider, or does it happen like naturally, if it happens at all? I think it happens naturally, and it really didn't occur to me until you said that, because I just think about Doctor Strange and Thor being yes. Hallmark characters over there, and most of the characters that I grew up loving, you know, with a science background. I never even really liked Wonder Woman growing up because right. I couldn't get. I was a science kid, yes. so I never really locked into the mythology of that character. Yes. That's one, right. of, one of the reasons why Thor is one of the only characters I've never written over my career. Because sure. I just can't, I don't get it. I'm not sure the exact historical period, but Thor originally had his like Bruce Banner counterpart that was this doctor yeah. that would turn into Thor. Yeah. I thought that, I mean, maybe that was done, but at the time I thought that played better. Like, I did play there better. There was this human character that you also had a relationship with. It did. There was, there was a, there's a fatal flaw in that, which is that, if it, that what we find out later, of course, mm -hmm. that Odin... His, uh, you know, Thor's dad, and it created that situation by which he's going to teach his son humility by giving this identity on yes. Earth as a, as a lame dog. But, but I tell you, if you're going to create somebody who has humility, right? A doctor is not the way Correct. to go. <laughs> that is not the way to go. No, no, yes. <laughs> and I also want to say I'm not talking about like your bosses because right. I'm not trying to do investigative. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just mean as like a culture, right? What's the difference between working for DC or Marvel? You know, there's really not that much difference. It's still, you're still involved with the characters. You're still wanting to mm -hmm. tell the best stories you can. You know, if you have reached a certain level of professionalism, mm -hmm. you know, that you, you know, you sort of earned your, your stripes, then you're kind of given sure. wide berth. The, the only real difference is that at DC, they're a lot more editorially driven. There's a lot more dictation of what it is they want out of your story. Okay. Whereas at Marvel... You know, Captain America, go do six issues, have fun. <laughs> and they'd be, they know because I've been doing this long enough that I'm not going to let them down. And so, sure. and I can still engage the editors. I still ask them questions if sure. I need it. They still are my backup. Mm -hmm. But there's no, you know, there, there's no, you have to okay. do this next issue. As a fan and an expert, yeah. as the universes, cinematic universes sure. expand yeah. and characters are added and yeah. a few characters are even killed off, yeah. who would you like to see added? That's a good question. I mean, I, from either world, just what character would I mean, be I, fun I mean, to have? I need, we need to see a good Green Lantern. Okay, that would be like a really good Green right. Lantern. Um, that would be good. At Marvel, they just they keep doing it right. I mean, they just like I keep right. being pleasantly surprised by who they put right. in, and I can't think of anybody over at Marvel who I'd like to see in. And at DC, I just I just have a this is a hunch. Yeah, yeah. I don't know that Green Lantern is translatable to this big screen Maybe. because what he so? does just yeah. has. Certain characteristics that don't play in that world. What do you mean? Let, uh, go, discuss. Discuss. To cut to the chase, Please. I think he's a very childish character. His powers, yes. it's a ring and it's yeah. a lantern and he's and, a guardian. And so? Well, the dark world of the DC universe, yes, even he, with mythological he, right, characters right. like Wonder Woman and super characters like Superman, 
and if Aquaman. You can, if you can crowbar the DC universe the DC, into yeah. a brighter, happier right. place, then I think there's a place for yes. Green Lantern. I can see that there's no real room for right. him in a in a Zack Snyder world. But if you pull that out a little bit, which hopefully they're going to do with Justice League, uh, then yeah, because there's nothing. Right. Basically, you know, if anybody who's listening doesn't understand, Green Lantern is is a genie in a bottle. That's really what right. that that character sure. is. It's going to magic ring <laughs> that can do anything, and so that's pretty awesome. Be- um, we talked about heroes, but on the flip side, yeah. I think dramatically yeah. the villains run the stories. They tend to, yes. Um, and so having uh, Lex Luthor, or I, I love Doc Ock because I think he's the perfect nemesis yes. for super, for Spider Man. Yep. What super villain would you like to see in That's a movie? That's a good question. Brainiac. Brainiac would be awesome. Oh yeah. Brainiac because yes. Brainiac not only because in my mind, and I never got a chance to do Brainiac. In my mind, <laughs> he's like the Borg. He's like he's the he's so brilliant and so right. incredibly smart that it's the one name. That when Superman hears it, his blood goes cold. Sure, like that's the one thing. Like Superman knows he can beat Luther if he tries hard enough. But when it comes to Brainiac, that's the only thing in the universe that scares Superman is Brainiac. I would love to see Brainiac. I mean, it's just a couple of questions that'll creep towards wrapping up. Sure. Uh, what are you working on right now? What should people look forward to in the next twelve months well, from so Mark Wade? Right, right now, I'm doing Captain America with, okay. with Chris Somney over at Marvel. That comes out in November. Still doing Avengers. Still doing a book called Champions with Marvel's younger characters. I'm doing that with artist Umberto Ramos. And my little pet project that I'm enjoying is doing Archie comics. Okay, I did not know that. See, you did not see, but but not like traditional <laughs> six-page goofy stories sure. of the punchline. Instead, what they came, what they did is they came to me about three years ago and they said we we're going to relaunch it, the whole franchise. We want to get Fiona Staples, who's the artist on Saga, okay. like somebody really serious, not grim and serious, but I mean yeah. somebody who whose style was not the traditional Archie style. And we just want you to update it for the 21st century. We want it to be a little more, not adult, sure. but just a little more targeted toward teenagers rather than younger kids. Mm. And I said, so teenagers. And I said, well, you know, I'm 52 years old, right? And so <laughs> it's, uh, you can do this. So, <laughs> so I thought about it a lot. And what we come up with is, you know, is it's still Archie and Betty and Veronica and Jughead and all their friends and stuff, but it's, it is, it's not Riverdale. Riverdale's super dark. And Riverdale right. came after what we were doing, but this is so. But what we did sort of opened the door for okay. Riverdale. So we are somewhere tonally, we are somewhere in between Riverdale <laughs> and the goofy '60s stuff. Okay, and I'm, I'm having a blast doing that because that's I can write teenagers all day long. A la your keen observation that you've been saddled with being asked about the giant robot spider. Uh, yes, for the past decades. Ever. Yeah, I, I often wonder when I have a chance to speak to a, a, an expert and a famous person. What has no one ever asked you that you wish they would? That's a good question. That boy, that's a really good question. Ah, man. Is there something about Superman you've never had a chance to talk about? Something in his past, a favorite episode or issue? Yeah, there is. There's one thing, and it came to me as I was preparing for this lecture here, and I never noticed it before, is that in a lot of Superman adventures, certainly in the TV show of the 50s, and then a lot of times in the 60s and and, Mm -hmm. in old comics and stuff, every once in a while he would end the story by winking at the audience. Sure. Clark would do a little wink. Yeah. You know what's cool about that? What's really cool about that? And what's really inviting about that? If you're a kid, what that means is Superman is sharing a secret with you. Sure. That he's not even sharing with his best friends. He's not sharing that with Clark and yeah. with with whether with Lois or Jimmy or Perry. But he's sharing it with you. I literally got goosebumps. Look, yeah. my hair is standing ah, up on my arm right nice. now after you said that. That's, that's that. Wow. I, that came out of the blue, and I thought <laughs> that is a really good observation. Okay. I so myself. Yes, I mean we agree. So we've thank you. Numerous things we've agreed on. Not the least of which is I've talked too much about myself in this interview, no, 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 so I assure you most of that will be edited out. We talked about the um, really dark, gritty types of comics mm-hmm. are not 
in your in my in my wheelhouse. Is there anything else that you would you you, you don't you're not drawn to story wise or art wise or not, not specifically? I mean, yeah, first of all, you got to remember I'm old enough where um, yes. <laughs> Firestorm is still a new character to me. Okay. Know, that, um, <laughs> That anything I didn't read when I was growing up, I don't have the same affinity for, right. whether it's a good character mm -hmm. or not. But right. it, so that's that's harder for me to to act. I, I have to, it has to be something that I loved as a kid. Okay, for me to really, and I can write other characters, but the right. stuff that I loved as a kid is where I'm right. really invested. So I can I can pretty much other than Thor, I can pretty much take anything <laughs> and, and try to make it work. <laughs> Thor, the only thing about Thor that I get uh, is that all right. So really, to make these long-lived successful characters right you really need to be able to boil them down to one sentence that you personally okay. can relate to right okay because like you know x-men feared in a world that doesn't understand them well right. every every even if you're normal everybody can understand that right. at some point you know spider-man great power great responsibility so what's thor about thor when you boil everything down about thor thor is about a guy who cannot please his dad no matter what he does Right, and once I had that in my in my suddenly now I understand Thor to some degree, right? Because at least I can identify yes. with Thor in a way I couldn't before. Well, there's something in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and I don't know if this is reflected in the comics, um, where they kind of in one sentence downgrade Thor yeah. from God to alien. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, it, it seems odd. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I mean, uh, which seems to be like a some kind of pop culture move. Like, so people who don't know Thor, yeah, just he's an alien. Don't worry I, about so, it. So yeah, exactly. And it and it doesn't raise any theological questions. questions yes, again. and then. Yeah, so it seems like a lot was lost yeah. when they did that. Yeah, first Marvel right. Cinematic Universe. I trust right. these guys to the point where I don't want to think about what I want in these movies because I want to be surprised. Oh, sure. I mean, in fact, I was I so loved those movies that it, when the second Spider-Man movie came out, the second Tobey Maguire one, okay. they called me and they said, well, we want you to do a comic book adaptation of it. And here's what it pays. And it paid a really good chunk of money. Okay. And I said, I don't want to do it because I want to see the movie. I want, I want to be surprised. <laughs> see the so I paid more for my ticket for Spider-Man 2 than anybody else on Earth. <laughs> Indeed. But, but it meant that much to me. Same with, the, same with Superman Returns. They offered okay. me a novelization. I'm like, no, I want to see the movie. Okay. So that's I just I trust these guys. And and so you are a fan with the oh, luckiest still. job in the world. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yes, I am. You're making business decisions based on your status as a yep, fan. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, that's a good epitaph to end on. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you so much, Mark. My pleasure, Mark. sir. Worlds are colliding. The Big Bang. Reboot the universe. Come on. It's the Action Comedy Nerd Show. If you want, it's up to you. I don't know what your time limit is. Well, I, I like to keep it under half an hour, That's but fine. I mean, I will rarely have access to. Has a, it been half an hour? It, surely it has not. Has it? It's been like Check 20, audacity. 
I'm on the 35 minute mark, but I, but I started recording before I invited you in to make sure it was working. So we're probably on like the 25 minute mark. I can't, I mean, I can't think of anything Over immediately to. worth that. Again, we're doing the lecture tonight. I'm sure. looking forward to that. Doing the lecture was an interesting exercise of taking the, you know, 20,000, 30,000, 40,000 words I've written about Superman over the years and sort right. of distilling it down into something. Well, there's a question I wanted to ask you, and I might even edit it so it's in the middle. It doesn't yeah. sound like it's part of the ending.